Hello and welcome to Small Business Speaks, the podcast where we get to know the people and ideas that bring businesses to life. I'm Jen Silverian, a recruiter and business owner that loves to shine the light on people that are exceptional at what they do. My guest today is someone I consider to be one of the best fitness coaches here in Fort Collins, Colorado. Kenya McBride is the owner of Studio Q Cycling. We're going to talk about her decision to launch her spin studio in September of 2019, hiring and training about a dozen instructors, and building a close-knit community through her high-energy classes. In under six months, Studio Q was about to break even when the coronavirus shut everything down. In today's episode, you'll hear how her 3 a.m am idea, saved her studio, and kept members and instructors riding together. Kenya, welcome to the show. Hello. I want to start by reading a quote from Sarah Blakely. Um, She says, I basically bombed the LSAT. I tried out to be goofy at Disney World, but I was too short. I worked for seven years selling fax machines door to door, which meant I was constantly being escorted out of buildings and people would regularly rip up my business card in my face. Now, of course, Sarah Blakely went on to found Spanx and became the youngest self-made billionaire. And the reason I bring up Sarah is because to me, you are Sarah Blakely. You both of both um, personify what it is to be an entrepreneur, which is to have that fight in you to knock down challenges and come back stronger and always be ready to reinvent yourself. Um, So I think that, you know, this sort of tenacity and resilience is going to inspire a lot of small businesses out there. So let's get to it. Let's talk about your small business. Um, after um, six years um, in the fitness industry, um, you, you developed a reputation of being one of the best fitness coaches in the area. And in September 2019, you decided to open your own spin studio. Um, so tell me about that moment. Tell me um, why it was important for you to have your own studio. Good question. So I have always, well, not always, but probably for the last five years have had this dream to bring the community together um, in the fitness world uh, into one place. And it looked a little bit different time after time when I would have these daydreams about what, what could I do to bring everyone together? You know, I thought about, could I be a race director and we'd have this amazing race every year um what maybe it's just this summer boot camp that i ran on my own um but i really really felt extremely passionate about cycling every time i went into that cycling room i just felt like i came alive people came alive i met i've met some of my best friends there in the cycling room and there's just so so much that can happen there. And I'll never forget when um, my mom passed away, I went and I had to go, I had to go teach, um, coach a class. And I 
most people would probably say, oh, you probably should get a sub. But for me, I was like, I cannot wait to get into that room with my people because it's, it, it's such, it's so therapeutic. And no, I didn't go in there and cry the whole hour, but I came alive and I felt life back in, into me, even though my mom had just passed away. And, and it was in that moment that I was like, I am going to pursue this dream of mine and it's the cycling community that I need to bring together and I I know how to do it right and I I've got this plan so um I decided you know to start to build my business plan and what it would look like and it started with my team and I knew that I had to have the right team put together in order to make it successful. And it wasn't necessarily the most experienced coaches. It was the people that are most passionate about coming out and helping somebody change their life. And when I realized who those people were, I knew that the studio would be an amazing place. Um, and so what I started with is as I reached out to all of the people that I wanted to be a coach at Studio Q and every single one of them said yes. And I knew it because they are all so passionate about it, just like I am. And they don't do it for the money. They do it because they want to change people's lives. And, um, and all of these people didn't exist in one place before I brought them together. And so having them, that was the next thing is bringing the community together. So I identified who my team, that is the heart of the studio, who my team was going to be. And then I, I brought those people together to start to build the community. Um, and the community at Studio Q is a beautiful thing because we um, just want to be together. We want to trust each other. We want to encourage each other. We want to be friends and, um, and our members um, are always feeling welcome and encouraged during their classes and just beautiful friendships have blossomed. So that's kind of where the community part came in. Now I had my business plan together. I had my community already starting to grow. My team was in place. Um, and I knew that I needed to find the money to be able to actually open the doors. And I knew in my business plan that I had built that this wasn't my means of making an income. The studio is purely a passion project for me. Um, and I didn't have a bunch of money just sitting around to go open up a cycling studio, but I did have the drive and the determination to make it happen because I just felt like that connection within this community needed to happen. So I started talking to people. I started looking at um, places around town that I could rent space. I, you know, did a ton of research on the bikes. I, um, just kind of started making all of those connections. And then I had an opportunity open up to open the studio. Um, and so we got to work. I put my home on the line. I took out oh a home. Equity. I was that. 
I said, oh my goodness, before you go on, just place us in as, as far as when this was. This was last year? Yeah, so I, I started the business plan probably in 2018. Okay. Um, and then I started talking to people in 2019, early 2019, maybe 2018, late 2018. Um, and then by like May of 2019, I had everything ready and I was looking at space. Um, okay. Maybe even April, probably April of 2019. Let and me ask so, you about the... Let me ask you about the bikes too. Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. Um, but um, you chose a special kind of bikes, um, bike to differentiate yourself from other studios in town. Tell me more about that. Yeah, so I um, really wanted a results-driven bike. And I also knew that if I was going to open a small little cycling studio, I had to have some equipment skin in the game. <laughs> and so um, my biggest in financial investment went into the bikes. So I got the top of the line Schwinn bike that is available on the market. It was at the time, and I think still is because it hasn't been that long, um, is the first bike to offer power or watts in the crank arm rather than in the flywheel. So basically what that means is your output, the power, the watt, power watts go hand in hand or your RPM, your distance, so your miles that, you, that it's telling you are really, really accurate. Whereas when it's measured in the flywheel, it's a nice guess. So, you know, uh, other places that, that had bikes, like where, the, where it was measured in the flywheel, you couldn't be totally sure. And I, I mean, I would go places and my watts would be out the roof. And like, there's no way I'm pushing that amount of watts. Well, then I, I demoed a bunch of bikes in my home. And these um, Schwinn uh, 4i technology bikes are top of the line and they're gorgeous and i was able to custom build them and i was able to do custom color just for our studio and they're like each my little babies <laughs> <gasps> that's great because we're gonna find out in a little bit where your little babies are today <laughs> but let me not jump ahead you had started okay. to say to to make this dream a reality you put your home on the line yes so i didn't have any investors. I didn't really try to get investors because this was a pass passion project for me and I didn't want to be tied to anybody else. Um, and I just started looking at small business loans and then realized that for what I needed, I could take out my home equity um, and make it happen. So that's what I did is I went and I got a home equity line of credit uh, it's called a HELOC, and I was able to um, get everything I needed and, uh, you know, get my deposits down on rent, but I knew that I had to hit the ground running um, as far as getting people in the studio and booking classes and all of that because the money was only 
set up to last about six to eight months um, to pay overhead and all of that. Mm -hmm. Kenya, I really appreciate you being so, um, so forthcoming with all those details because I think that's something that a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with. It's like they have this idea, but they don't know how to fund it or how to even forecast, you know, how they're going to um, achieve a profit. So you really put a lot of like work in over a long period of time that um, many of us as members, because I go to the studio, um, weren't aware of. <laughs> um, you, you opened in September um, of this past year, September 28th was I think your opening day. But before that, um, we had gotten to about May, and pretty late in the game, you had a surprise where this, your first choice on space was no longer available to you. So what was, how did you meet that first challenge? Well, let me tell you, <laughs> this is where you really learn about small business ownership. And I let my passion and excitement get in the way of actually look, looking at detail. Um, and so I signed a sublease with another business and um, started building out my space and doing updates and ordered the bikes and did all of this stuff inside. Of, so I was sharing space with this other business. And one day, about two, no, three weeks before we were going to open, I went in to go meet one of my team members to do some pictures for our website. And I couldn't get in the building. Oh and there was, <laughs> there was huge sign saying that the, that they were seized for non-payment of state taxes. So the business that I had a sublease with closed, gone, disappeared off the face of the earth, literally couldn't get a hold of anybody, couldn't get in to, to the building because they had changed the locks. Um, couldn't get into my space, which I had started transforming. And um, it was a pretty eye-opening moment because I had already put down a lot of money to this business. I had already paid my deposit, my first month's rent. We had put quite a bit of money into that space already. I would say all in all, we probably lost about $10,000 um, and never was able to redeem that money. I did That's eventually, crazy. I did and you get had started in. to promote uh, the studio with that space in mind. And that, even is, that is correct. So I had started promoting it. I had, um, you know, everybody knew that that's where, and actually still to this day, some people think that that's where we're going um, or where we ended up, but we didn't. Um, I tried to work it out with the landlord, but unfortunately um, I got another stab in the side, a, a small or another business owner that um, knew my intimate details went behind my back and put in an offer on that space 
um, and could put in more money than I was able to. So that business got the space. <laughs> so, um, so <laughs> I moved on from all of it and more power to all of those people that want to, you know, act that way. I really believe Fort Collins is such a tight knit community and, I don't believe in treating each other that way. So I just hope that I have good karma for walking away from it. And I found an even more beautiful space. And we have been, well, until COVID, we have been booming over in our new space. And it's so cute and quaint and uh, right by a ton of really cute local businesses that um, it's just a, a, a center full of life and um, we love it there. So it was almost worth the loss. <laughs> it is a beautiful studio. I mean, um, and you guys, you and your husband personally did a lot of work um, to, to bring it to life. Um, so let's flash forward to opening day. Um, and maybe some of the small victories or, or key milestones um, that you had that led to you feeling like, you know what, we're gonna make it. Well, I knew that we were gonna make it because we started selling memberships before we were even open. And I knew we were going to make it because my team literally showed up day after day for weeks and weeks ahead of opening to train and prepare um, on their own time to get ready to open. And I just knew that we already had such a strong bond between all of us as a team that people were going to follow. And so it just opening day was beautiful. We had over 200 people come through on opening day. Our classes were sold out. So we did classes all day long. We had partners from around town and in the shopping center set up booths outside. We had like our one of our business partners, Pure Bar, came over and did some classes um, out in the plaza area while we were running our classes inside. Um, it just that opening day, seeing all those people come in and celebrate with us, I just knew it was going to be great. Yeah, it was an amazing event. Um, I want to go back to um, your team, the dozen or so um, instructors that you hired and trained. Um, and you took a gamble there because before you had mentioned, you didn't necessarily hire the most experienced. Um, you were more concerned with their passion and commitment to cycling. And before we go deeper um, in the story of Studio Q, I just want to know what you believe makes not just a good, but an, an exceptional spin instructor, because you definitely have that. I mean, that's the reason that you and I met. I attended one of your classes at um, Miramont, 
And it was so unbelievable and so different from any of the classes that I had taken before that I started stalking you on social media. Um, so tell me, like, what's the special ingredient that makes a spin class amazing? Well, there's a lot that goes into making a spin class amazing, but you cannot train somebody to care about another human. You just can't. You either, they either have it or they don't. And I'm talking about caring, caring about a stranger that walks in the door that you've never met before and truly wanting to help them change their life. And th that's how I picked my team. I picked my team based off of people that give their heart and soul to other humans. And, um, you just can't, you can train somebody to get up there and put on a show and pick the best music. And you can train somebody to, you know, um, understand the, the techniques on the bike and understand all of that, but you cannot train the human connection. And I just knew who those people were because in my previous role before opening my studio, I was, you know, I managed a lot of cycling instructors um, and I took a lot of cycling classes and just really was involved in, in that community. And I could tell little things like if you have, um, we use a system called MyZone. It's a heart rate monitor. It also has a social platform. If you are connected with our team on MyZone, you are gonna feel like every single workout that you've done is the best thing that you've ever done in your entire life. And not because I trained my team to do that. They all are truly excited and want to cheer you on if they see that you've been working out. And they want to know what you did and how you felt. And they want to say, high five, way to go. You guys rock every single time. <laughs> and you just can't, they don't get paid to do that. <laughs> and you just can't teach somebody to do that. It's just, it's, I don't know. I think, I mean, I would say you did absolutely the right thing. It was the right decision because, um, it, it contributes a lot to the sense of community that all your members feel. I, I can just tell that all your coaches adore you. And, you know, you've been through some very tough times together and we'll get into COVID. We haven't even gotten to COVID yet. We'll get into that in a second. Um, but before we do, tell me where you were um, as far as tracking to your goals for the studio in February of this year. So, so we opened in September. We had a big month in September, which I expected because we only sold our founding memberships in September uh, it, until the second week of October. So those were where, they, where our members could buy one year in advance at a really great rate. And um, so I knew that that first month we'd be great. Well, then we had October, November, December, January, every single month 
was a little bit better. Every single awesome. month we were breaking our goals. And um, we, coming into February, I uh, was about, so we ended February probably close to about $500 short of breaking even on our monthly expenses. So my goal was and is still to break even by September of 2020. That's great. I'm sure you'll do it. Um, let's, so that was February. Just one month later, um, you decided on, I think it was March 15th or 16th. It was a good week before um, Governor Polis um, called for the shutdown of non-essential businesses, which included all the, the gyms in the area. I think you were one of the first to close. Um, what led to that really difficult decision? Yeah, so I, I'll read you what our mission statement is on our website. And it is... Um, here it is. We brought together a team of coaches who are the top trainers in Northern Colorado. Studio Q Cycling focus on, focuses on training for the outdoor experience, break down mental and physical barriers, and building a community around health. And always, since before, but even right when I opened, in a lot of my classes, I always set the tone that I'm here to provide a safe and healthy experience. And when I saw that there was a national and global threat to health, I strongly felt that I was not doing my part to fulfill the mission of our studio. And so I made the decision to close because I did not feel by letting 20 people come into a room that it was the right choice to keep them safe and healthy like I had promised them every other time. Mm -hmm. Did you worry in that moment that it was going to be the end of Studio Q? Yes. I knew that in that moment, there was a good chance I was probably going to have to file for bankruptcy on the business. And um, th that um, I was going to have a really large home equity loan that I was going to have to start paying off <laughs> myself. And um, I knew that that it was it, there was a good chance because we weren't we already weren't breaking even. We weren't there yet. We had only been open for six months. So we we were just this baby business that is trying to like make it to a year and here this happens. So yeah. Mm -hmm. It's giving me chills to hear you recount it like that. And I'm thankful that I know that there's a, a pivot number two, a, a happy ending here. Um, so I want to talk about that. And I'm going to actually go and read an email that you sent me. Um, because I think it really captures what entrepreneurs think about when they can't sleep at night. Um, so you say, 
The aha moment came to me at 2 a.m. I asked myself, how can I still provide the purpose of Studio Q to our community without them coming into the actual studio? And I thought, well, I can deliver my bikes to, for them to use in their home. And then I thought, well, shoot, I don't have enough bikes for everyone, so I'll start writing at-home workouts that you can do with no equipment. And then this idea went on and on in my head until about 3 a.m. And then I realized, oh, crap, how the heck am I going to pay my bills if we aren't running classes? Aha, what if I rent the bikes? Yep. And, and so that was your decision to, to do what? So my mad brain, I was like, how much money? What's my bottom line? What do I need to make in order to keep pay my, my bills? My team has already told me, Q, we don't do this for the money. <laughs> don't worry about us. And, um, and so I said, okay, well, I don't have to worry about payroll then. So what do I need to do to keep the lights on? And I broke down the numbers and I took my number of bikes that I had and divided that up and real, I need, I need $5,000 a month in order to pay my bills at the studio. So I rented the bikes out for $250 a piece, um, which 20 times 250 is $5,000. And I felt that and the time of crisis when I knew I could, I just knew I'm like, I know what this means for so many other people. They're going to lose their jobs. I could just see this all happening. And I was thinking it's not fair for me to rent them higher and to try to make a profit right now. I just need to keep my lights on. So that's what I did. And uh, the next morning I sent out an email to our members and said, you know, we've closed the doors. Here's, what we're offering. We have 20 bikes available. Um, and I offered them to my team first and they, they paid the rental fee. So some of my team members who didn't already have a bike at home rented some, and then I offered it to the members and it, the bikes were rented within two hours of my email. And I have over a hundred people on a wait list right now. Wow. Wow. I didn't know the part about the wait list. Um, yeah. so you have transitioned to 100% virtual zoom classes led by your great team of instructors. You have, um, a class every day of the week. Um, if people are interested, I'm, you know, if, if they weren't able to rent a bike, if they can join in because they have some sort of at home setup, um, are they able to check you out? Yeah, so all of our Zoom classes are free. And we've had people join on treadmills. We've had people, we've had kids, their parents put their little bikes on little trainers inside. Oh, I've seen that. Kids, yeah. kids with their parents riding. We've had, you know, road bikes, people on their road bike inside on the trainer. Uh, that's how you've been able to join in on those. Um, and we, I mean, you should see the, the types at, at home bikes that people just, it's just nice because we can see each other. Um, 
and know that we're all in this together and we really still care about the health and safety of our members and any and anybody that is going through this that wants to hop on and do some do a good sweat together so yeah we're offering one class a day um, they're free and uh, we have a different instructor every day teaching one um, and, you know, Zoom is not the quality that you get in the studio. It, it's not set up to be a studio experience, but we get the job done and we have fun and we smile and we chat after class through Zoom and, and it's awesome. And, and one thing I do have to say too is I haven't had one member put their membership on freeze. And, um, we did rely heavily on punch packs and drop-ins, which are not happening anymore. But it's just, it's just amazing to see our community come together to help support us and stay alive. And with any extra money that we have gotten in to the studio, we've done things like I Venmoed my team members all each uh, some money into their Venmos specifically for them to either buy something at a local small business or to support another family in need. So um, we're doing things like that. I've donated to some nonprofits in town. Um, so any kind of extra money that we get uh, for the studio right now, we're trying to give that out back to other small businesses or people in the community that really need it. And you know, that's so amazing that you're doing that and you mentioned karma karma earlier and I, I you're right what goes around comes around um i'm going to change gears here and move to part two <laughs> of kenya mcbride um so uh within the last couple weeks um we saw unemployment claims balloon to 17 million. Um, it's forecasted to be the worst period of unemployment since the Great Depression. And during this time, somehow, you accepted a new job. <laughs> now, Studio Q will, of course, continue. You know, you had mentioned it's a passion project of yours, and, and you have um, uh, some new duties now. Um, can you tell us what you're gonna be doing? Sure. So the studio has never been my source of income, clearly. <laughs> and um, I actually spend probably less than five hours a week on the studio um, because it is instructor run um, and there isn't a whole lot for me to do. So uh, I, I coach and I talk to my team and clean on Sundays and that's about it. <laughs> so um, I, yeah, I got a job offer a couple weeks ago and it came about because I'm in a group called Women in Ink and it is a uh, mastermind for small local small business owners who are women. And I joined this group a little over a year ago um, when I decided to open the studio. I knew that I was going to need support because I had never run a business before and I had no clue what I was getting myself into and I needed some like-minded people 
to bounce ideas off of and have help with things. So I joined the group and I formed a lot of great relationships and uh, we meet once a month all day and it's amazing. And these women have become my best friends and we share things with each other that we don't share with anybody else. Um, we're all going through similar circumstances with our businesses. And um, it's just really, really nice to have this network of women. And so I joined that group and Women in Ink has started to grow quite significantly. Um, it, the founder, Lindsay Roselle, is who runs the masterminds and is the mind behind all of Women in Ink. And um, just recently, she's had the opportunity to expand and grow and really, really make a nationwide impact on women who own small businesses or entre entrepreneurial women. So um, I uh, was extended a job offer to be the dire uh, executive director of partnerships and oversee the And Inc. Foundation. So the And Inc. Foundation is an arm of Women in Inc. Uh, where we provide grants and funding to women for the various reasons. But right now, the biggest reason that we're raising money and giving out money is for the hardship program. So a small business owner who's been faced with something really tragic and they have to step away from their business. If you are a woman small business owner out there and you think about like, what happens if I got hit by a bus tomorrow, who's going to run the business? There isn't a backup plan, right? There usually isn't a backup plan. Um, you don't have paid vacation. You don't have uh, sick time or maternity leave or things like that. And so the hardship program helps it provides money to women who need it. And right now there is a global need. <laughs> um, a lot of small businesses. Well, I think it's 62% of small businesses are owned by women. And so you can imagine that there's a lot happening here. Uh, so it's great. Yeah, my role is to bring in partners, bring in sponsors, raise money, um, make connections, um, and 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 it's exciting. And and now is the time to do it. And we're all working in the virtual land, and it's a little scary, but it's also exciting at the same time. <laughs> Kenya, they're lucky to have you because if anyone can get this done, and it's an important important time to get it done, it's you. Um, you are, I, I, um, in doing my research for this, I discovered that you are involved in a lot of charities and in fact have a lot of experience with fundraising. This is long before you and I ever met. So I was surprised to see um, you actually have a master's in philanthropic leadership. You were the executive director for the Muscular Dystrophy Association when you graduated from CSU. And then you spent six years in donor and corporate relations for CSU. Um, and 
you in 2018, um, you spearheaded a project to bring artwork to the Pathways Care Center, which is a hospice here in town. It was also the place that your mom received end of life care. Um, I mean, you had to was, talk about that one. <laughs> um, yes. Keep, we'll, we'll keep going because this is the point where I break down. Um, it's a whole other side of you. I mean, there's, there's Kenya, the, the fitness coach and um, spin studio owner. And then there's Kenya, who is involved in so many great charitable causes um, and um, fundraising activities, super successful with fundraising activities. So why is this kind of work so important to you? Well, that's a great question. <laughs> I got into fundraising because in college I studied, um, my degree was restaurant and resort management, but I went down the event planning track. So I got into special event fundraising and I had no idea. I hadn't done volunteer work or anything like that as a kid growing up. Um, but I started meeting people that were being impacted by the money that was being raised by these organizations that I was either doing internships with in college or volunteering at. And then when I got my job at the Muscular Dystrophy Association, we'd have, I managed all the volunteers and a lot of the volunteers were our clients, uh, a lot of the kids that were receiving services from the Muscular Dystrophy Association and then they'd come in and volunteer. And I got so close with them and just felt like they were part of my family and realizing what an impact you can have on somebody's life. <laughs> um, fundraising. I mean, it seems like I, I think there's a misconception of what a fundraiser is and I mean, fundraisers aren't exactly the people that make the most money in the world, but you can have such an impact because they're the middleman. They're the person that is there form relationships between a donor and a, and a person receiving. And whether it's, you know, there's all different types of organizations, but mine has always been really human focused and, um, I just fell in love with it and I could just see like that was my life's calling and it has been since. Um, and I think a little bit of that comes from like my mom. Uh, she was always such a giver, giver, giver. My mom would never show up empty handed anywhere. She always wanted to give, 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 give. And, um, and so I felt like fundraising was that I was helping people explore their passions in a way that it would make an impact. And uh, it's kind of navigating in the middleman of that relationship or the quarterback, you know, helping that. So that's how I got into fundraising, fell in love with it. And then I moved into higher ed fund, higher ed fundraising because I was so passionate about higher education and am so passionate about higher education. And I wanted to match my personal passions 
with um, with my skill set. And so I went into higher ed higher ed fundraising and it was great. It was a great experience. I got to work with some really, really big donors um, that could make some transformational impact. So when I say transformational impact, I'm talking impact the masses or uh, develop something that is going to change the world, which is what CSU does. You know, they're a research institution. And so it was really great um, experience. And then, um, you know, I, I left for a little bit and now I'm getting to come back into it. And another passion area of mine in that small business and women and helping them. And so now I'm so happy to be back. And I actually, I never left philanthropy behind because I volunteer a lot with a lot of local organizations and, um, I was a boys and girls club kid uh, when I was growing up. And now I, I am really involved with the boys and girls club of Larimer County. And um, so that's one organization that's really close to my heart and I will always help them. Um, but now I get to be with women in ink and, and what literally hundreds of businesses, women owned small businesses and entrepreneurs are flooding in and we get to impact the masses and we get to help navigate through this new landscape. And it's a really, really cool thing to be part of. Thank you for sharing all that. Um, and, and in particular, talking about um, how the role of a fundraiser is sometimes not well understood. Um, you talked about a lot of um, emotional and financial hardships during this interview. Um, and I think there's something to be said for your role in raising funds and awareness for other people, even as you're going through these things yourself. Um, I mean, there were probably days where you didn't feel like you were in a position to give <laughs> because <laughs> Uh, you know, because you were just trying to keep yourself above water. Um, so it's really amazing. You know, one of the things about being a small business owner is we've all been through this. We've all faced challenges like this. And I think because we do, we're more willing to come to the table and support others. Um, so it's great what you're doing. I think this may be a good place for us to conclude. Um, I want to know, I want to talk, um, I just want to ask you as a last question. I mean, number one, where can we find you? Um, and, and that's where can we find this schedule of classes at Studio Q and where can we find what you're doing for Women in Ink? Um, by the way, I had a great Women in Ink experience the other day on the, um, the networking group here in town. Um, so first of all, how can we help you achieve some of the goals you have, you've set for yourself this year? Yeah. So, uh, right now the best way you could help support us is come follow us on social media so that you can see our updates and, and then once there's opportunities to actually get involved, take, take, take us up on those opportunities. So our Instagram is studio Q cycling, and then you can also find us on Facebook, Studio Q Cycling. And that's where we post our weekly schedule, Zoom schedule right now on Instagram and Facebook. And then uh, if you get on our website and you register 
with your information through our website, we can add you to our mailing list. Um, not snail mail, we just do email. So you'll get the monthly newsletter and any updates that we have through that. But uh, otherwise, everything is on Instagram and Facebook and it's a great way to see what we have going on and you can share our posts and let people know about us because right now is a great time just to build our community uh, in the virtual world because that's what we're all doing, right? <laughs> it's true, it's true. And um, the Women in Ink, if I wanna get involved with um, the group, the chapter here in town, what, where should I go? So you, the same thing, uh, you can go on Facebook and look up Women in Ink and there'll be prompts there to uh, help you figure out which group you should be in or how to get involved there. Well, Kenya, um, anything else we should talk about before I let you get back to your I day? Thank you so much for spending time. This was really fun, but every conversation with you is really fun. We just happen to be recording it this time around. I, I just want to say thank you, Jen, for supporting our small business and supporting our family. Uh, we really appreciate you and uh, you and Scott and love having you as part of the community at Studio Q and appreciate all of the support and, and doing this to help us as well. I mean, anything we can do to get our name out helps and um, we, we just love you guys so much. So thank you. Hi guys, it's Jen again. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Small Business Speaks. We're releasing new episodes every week. So take a minute now to subscribe and rate us in Apple Podcasts. And if you have a favorite small business owner you'd like us to feature, leave me a message in the show comments or at Small Business Speaks on LinkedIn, Facebook, or Instagram. Thanks for listening.